start any time. All right. What should we start, you ask? Why we should start the Enemy Slime podcast, episode number 202. I'm your usual host, Jared. I'm joined today by Mr. <laughs> Michael Mahoney. We're starting what now? The Enemy Slime podcast, episode number 202. I'm your usual host, Jared. And I'm joined today by Mr. Michael Mahoney. And when are we starting this? When are we starting? It's we're starting. It's the Enemy Slime podcast, and we're starting it now. Episode number two hundred and two. Wow! I'm joined today by Mr. J. Joseph Jr. Oh, who is the other guy in the podcast? Oh, I'm also joined today by Mr. Michael Mahoney. And which one of us was the black guy? Or was that a reference to me, your host? My name is Jared. I'm your usual host. Uh, I have our resident black guy, Mr. J. Joseph Jr. Hey, weren't there other two other white guys on this thing? Oh, you must be referring to me, your host. We're, I, I'll, I'll do it. I'll fucking do it. <laughs> you must be referring to me, your host, Jared. And I am also joined today by Mr. Michael Mahoney. And which one was Jay? Jay is the other one on the podcast. There's only three of us here today uh, because we thought that uh, we thought we'd continue that. Um, we didn't have enough time to introduce three people, four people. Yeah, that's true. We we needed yeah. exactly the amount of time that we've spent uh, so far to date. Um, I and who are those people? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm your usual host, Jared, and I am joined today by Mr. Michael Mahoney. Glad to be here. And I have Mr. J. Joseph Jr. Hey, and what was the name of this thing again? This is called The Enemy Slime Podcast, episode number 202. Don't have a title for the episode yet, because here's a little behind-the-scenes thing for all you podcast listeners. Uh, we actually don't pick the title until the episode's over. Uh, where that, that is fascinating information. Jay, you're you're a writer. Have you ever written something where you had a title but didn't have the the idea yet? Where you just no. Where you thought of a title so good, like say Fear Effect, and you were like, <laughs> you were like, shit, I better make that into something. What will it be about? I don't know. What do I like? Well, I like lesbians. I guess it could be about uh, that. I- I guess I, I guess I did have that once. I could tell you the title right now. Okay, tell me the title. It was called Barbed Wire on the Razor's Edge. Oh, see that? Yeah, that doesn't even... I assume that's about Barbed Wire, the Pamela Anderson action hero. Yes. Nice. Uh, that's, yeah. a good, that's a good title. I like it. Thank you. Um, that's pretty, <laughs> pretty fine. Um... Michael, you were not with us last week. True. And uh, you made a comment after the podcast last week that you were very glad you were not with us last week. Um, right. Because we spent the entire time talking about movies, uh, a, subject, <laughs> a subject of which you have no love or desire to talk about. Correct. Uh, so to help accommodate uh, you, so, I mean, so this, is, this is kind of like your week almost. Um, and so I've prepared a segment. Uh, I didn't tell you I was preparing this segment, but I've prepared a segment. Oh boy. Uh, I call it, I call it, uh, men's fashion tips with Michael. And today we've got Michael Mahoney here and he's going to drop the hottest new five fashion tips that he didn't know I was going to ask him to drop. Uh, so do we, do we have, do we have music like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get, we'll get some music on here. Some upbeat, you know, high fashion, like, and, and so here's Michael's hot tips. So with number five, Michael, what's the number five? So the hot thing this year, wearing belts. Ah, yeah. I, I've actually, you won't believe this. I've seen a bunch of people wearing belts. Yeah, but you know, I've actually stopped wearing belts. Uh, see, that's not good. 
Yeah, that actually goes against Michael's hot fashion tip. But yeah. how does it, how do I show off my whale tail if I wear a belt? Oh, well, that's, that's exactly good. why you should be wearing the belt. That is a good question. Uh, also, if you wear the belt and you're black, yeah, your pants will stay up on your hips, which is not where you want them. So that's no, true. No. I didn't mean to uh, be culturally imperialistic there. Yeah, that's it true. is. So uh, so let's not let's not issue out blanket statements and say that these hot tips are for everybody. Um, they're just for just everybody who wants to look good. Just cisgendered white males. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> hot fashion tip number four, Michael. Uh, the new thing this year, turbans. Okay, yeah, turbans. Uh, I've I've seen it on the runway. I've seen it in the streets. Um, yeah, I but this mean, this year we're actually wearing them on our feet. Ah, see, and mm. I think okay. the, there's some cultural concerns there uh, because I think you're not supposed to get the turban dirty. Uh, Fashion is supposed to be daring, Jared. That's that's true, and there's nothing more daring <laughs> than than taunting the Arab nation, <laughs> right? <laughs> All right, uh, fashion tip number three. Wait, hold on. I love that we've already like done something offensive just with fashion tips. Yeah, that's, that's two things actually. That's, <laughs> that's how we do things on the Enemy Slime Podcast, episode number two hundred and two. We, we, we always find a way. I'm your usual host, Jared, and I have Michael Mahoney here with fashion tip number three. Fingerless gloves are back. Ah. Oh, thank God. Some might yeah. ask, did they ever leave? Can, does this mean that I can take my fingerless gloves and then pose with my samurai sword again? Can you? Uh, oh, go ahead. This is Michael's so you're, corner. You're stepping on fashion tip number four, but we'll get to that. <laughs> well, so I was counting backwards, so it's actually fashion tip number two. But I have a question about fingerless gloves. Uh, yeah. Are, can you guys put them on and not feel like Pokemon trainers? Yeah, I just look fabulous. Uh, I, I, I always feel like I'm uh, like I should be summoning an onyx and if there's a lady nearby I usually am summoning an onyx if you know what I mean yeah, and does she summon a um... executor squirtle oh it's squirtle, squirtle. That's yeah <laughs> yeah does she does she count summon squirtle there we go her. yeah and actually yeah squirtle Gross. is a, squirtle is a direct counter to onyx because uh, as we all know water softens up rock. And uh, that's right. You get like immediately killing your Pokemon action. So there you go. You thought you thought, hey, uh, these fashion tips are racist, but can they also be sexy? And the answer is yeah, <laughs> they can. <laughs> and there we are. Well, what, uh, what's the next fashion? Yeah, Michael, fashion tip number two. Number two, jeans are pretty popular this year. Oh yeah, denim. A lot of people wonder like, what happened to denim? Uh, right. You don't see people wearing it anymore. Everybody's got kilts. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, which it happened, but one of those uh, clickbait websites, like the Huffington uh, Post or whatever, talked about how grandmas were getting on their granddaughters for wearing ripped denim jeans. Oh yeah, that's and I'm a pretty, pretty sure stylish look. It, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, it's just popular. How, like, like, like how, how high up can I rip them before it gets to be inappropriate? Uh. No, it's always good. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. It doesn't matter as long as uh, as long as you've secured it with a belt, you can shred the denim. Yeah, as exactly. Much as possible. And in uh, fact, I'd actually say I prefer it that way. Yeah, sure. Uh, it, it, okay. it, it's just tassels. It's like a. It, it actually winds up looking like a grass hula skirt. 
by the time you you're fashion forward enough with them. I, so we, we have we have belts, we have rope denim, we have fingerless gloves. I feel like we're headed somewhere. Yeah, I think this. Michael has a very clear vision of what he wants <laughs> uh, in 2018 fashion. The turbans on the feet's a little weird. Um, yeah, but everything else is painting a really clear picture of a person. <laughs> Which of course brings us to fashion tip number one: crushed velvet dressing gowns. Ah, to cover ah. everything, or, or put all this, put all this shit on, and then put a huge velvet gown over it. <laughs> no, the dressing gown for is, is for at home. Oh, okay. Right. Ah, very good. Ah, okay. Very good. That's uh, the new I thing. It's fashion that nobody sees. Casual you. guy. Now, of course, uh, we as much positivity as uh, we have here from all of Michael's uh, top five fashion tips. Uh, no list would be complete without uh, an extra. Michael has the, the top two cardinal sins in fashion in 2018. These are the things that you absolutely must avoid at all costs or else you're going to seem, uh, you know, basically just like a, like a confused and unfashionable person. Michael, uh, fashion cardinal sin number two. Jorts. Uh, in non-pastel colors. Okay, there we go. I was going to say, I feel like jorts are fine. <laughs> Yeah. It, but uh, only if they're eggshell colored. Oh, yeah. That'd be beautiful. Yeah, that'd be a lovely, lovely. Sea foam would be nice as well. Sea foam. There we go. I like the sound of that. Uh, and lastly, fashion tip, cardinal sin number one, the worst thing that you could be doing in 2018 in the world of fashion. Michael, what is it? Um, I would have to say sodomy. Okay, then there it is. That, that seems like a cardinal sin for anything. Don't sodomize anybody. Uh, that's, I mean, that's why it's just so prevalent. Even if so they bad. ask you to. Even if, even if they really say they want you to, don't. It's not right. Hey, Michael, are, are mm-hmm. your fashions available in France? Well, I don't have a line of my own. I just, you know, I just keep an eye on what's popular, what's in with the kids. He just got his finger on the pulse, and so yeah. I, I thought I thought this would be yep. a way that we could kind of accommodate him. But he's well, like I appreciate cool it. It was hunter. nice to share my knowledge. Yeah, he's a cool hunter. He's a trendsetter. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, I mean, it sounds like, and actually, maybe this is a good uh, kind of segue to our other uh, discussion point before we get to one of the bigger uh, pieces tonight. Um, it sounds like you've actually been cultivating a lot of knowledge lately. Uh, and I'm referring to your, uh, to your gaming life, uh, that you've, that you've lived as of late. Um, Are you not talking about feet turbans? Well, no, no, no. Uh, you see, you see video games, uh, this is something that you guys may not even remember, but like there was a time where video games could be used to like teach you things, um, as opposed to... Read a rabbit? Right. I mean, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Like I, I feel like I learned something new each time that I load up. Um, fuck. I don't know where it's going with that. Star Fox. <laughs> Star Fox Zero. Star Fox. Each time I know how to do barrel rolls now. I've actually, learned... actually, that's true because I learned to do barrel rolls in Star Fox and then I actually played that piece of shit Battlefront 2 and barrel rolls helped me win the game. There you go. See? No, no one was telling me to do a barrel roll, but I knew to do one. You knew to do them all over the place whenever the opportunity presented itself. Error day. Um,. I mean, I don't want to popping bottles and doing barrel rolls. I don't want to offend, but I, I know that Michael's going to know that I'm referring to the old version of him. Um, Michael's somebody who I think we would all agree is terrible with women. Uh, just you know, doesn't doesn't have it in him. But that's why I have to pay him. But now, 
uh, thanks to his latest uh, game that he's been playing, I think he's now a master with women. Oh my god! Holy shit! I know where this is going. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's amazing. right, Michael. How I much played amazing? the how dance much? section of Grand who, Theft Auto San Andreas, that's and the, now the ladies love this? me. But, but I, I mean, who funded this? Did did Michael like? Reach into his own pocket, or Jared was this nope. like an expedition you set him on? No, unbelievably enough, this was sent to us. Uh, <laughs> Michael was given this for free. <laughs> so, Very nice. Uh, so, Very incredible. So no one funded it. Uh, Michael, tell us a little bit about the seduction game. So it's actually Super Seducer. Oh, that's right. That's right. The yeah. seduction yeah. game, funny enough, is a. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there is there is a game. There's also our, a good game. There is a game called the Seduction Game. There yes. is a game called the Seduction Game in our history, uh, and it's from our RPG Maker days. And our old friend Vessel uh, made a game called the Seduction Game, where your goal is just to get laid. And uh, but this game is very similar in, in nature, at least. So anyway, tell me about uh, Super Seducer. How's that going? So Super Seducer is a game by Richard Laruna who is a self-proclaimed, among other things, pickup artist or pickup master. And in the Super Seducer, he gives you all the tips and tricks on how to pick up women yourself. Through me, the... sorry, I... <laughs> yes? I'm delighted, that's all. I'm, I'm... <laughs> it's pretty delightful as he uh, walks you through the seduction game using full motion video and choose your own adventure style uh, story beats. All right. So each of these uh, segments has you like, it like has a beautiful woman, I assume. Yep. It starts with the beautiful woman and then you play as Richard and it'll put you in a situation where you have to approach them. It'll give you some options and you make your choices. And after every choice, there will be a section in between where Richard sits in a hotel room in a tuxedo surrounded by half-naked ladies, and he tells you how good your choice was. Well, we've all been there. I mean, that's kind of the goal. That's why, I'm, that's why I got the game, for Christ's sakes. I have so many questions. Um, <laughs> are the women Again, beautiful? I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but uh, I think you look really elegant today. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that, that scared one of them away pretty badly. Oh, that didn't, that didn't work? How did that no. not work? That's so, this is a weird game because, in truth, <laughs> unless I've had a couple of drinks in me, I'm not very good at approaching women either. And even just the prospect of trying to approach this woman in a video, it kind of stirs up like a lot of the same insecurities and fear that it does in real life. Like, I don't want to play parts of this game because I'm afraid that I'm going to get burned. <laughs> Interesting. So you, that is but, weird. So he's done a good job of really putting you in his shoes. Like you feel as though you are Richard. Yeah, yeah, I feel constant terror. So I guess <laughs> here's here's a real question. I, yes, I, I have a real question about this. You've you've played more than one scenario, I assume. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, first of all, I guess question one: Have you finished it? It doesn't seem like something that could last more than forty five minutes. No, I haven't finished it. I've played about 45 minutes of it, actually, and I'm not even halfway done. There's actually a pretty decent amount of content. Like, there's a lot of... Huh. Like, each each seduction takes quite a bit of time to get through. Okay. Is it, like, several... How, like, how many scenarios is it? Uh, I want to say around 10 or so, and each one's a different situation, like picking up a woman off the street or picking up... Or trying to pick up two women at a bar. 
Aaron. I um I I I just want to mention because like it's funny that you would mention um how it kind of unless you had a couple of drinks it kind of terrifies you. Um, Lucio can actually back me up on this because he's he's seen like my modus operandi. But um, if I'm kind of interested enough, then I'll go out of my way to try and open someone up, and I'm I've gotten pretty good at it like i mean it's it's just like kind of starting a conversation with someone you know like uh i, I don't think i can go go up to someone and say hey i think you look really elegant but i'll like notice something in a reading or whatever like oh yeah i read that book too if i have it um i then, but the more i too I have am good the- at opening people up by the way just <laughs> wanted to throw that in there you are you are um at least from my experiences yeah um, i'm known for my ability to open women up <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, I just in general, like, I feel like it's it's kind of one that you have to harbor if you, like, network a lot because then you need something from, like, a lot of different type of people. Like, it's not always sex. Like, sometimes you might see a dude and be like, hey, I need a job from you. So let me pretend I'm interested in whatever shit you have to say. Um, but as I get more drunk, like, the more afraid I am I'm going to, like, fuck up something. So I just can't do it. Ah, I oh, see. see. So you're saying that you work the opposite way, where you become more anxious. I work anxious. in the opposite way. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Gotcha. I thought this was just a way for you to tell us that you're good at <laughs> seducing women. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not. Like, I like my. It, I, I don't have what you would call game or anything. It's just a, It's just like a acquired skill. And I think I think Lucio can probably explain it from a third person perspective because he's actually seen me do it. Um, and it was a it was a point of conversation between us because I forget. What was going on, but we were in Miami, and we went to this uh, bar, and it's a bar where they just serve beer, and, you know, I think the bartender's cute or whatever, so I just, like, start striking up a conversation with her and all that kind of stuff, and then Lucio, who I guess is under the impression that I'm this, like, total dorky nerd, um, because of how I look, and because basically our entire first conversation is about Metal Gear, I'm quoting, like, Solid Snake and all that, and Lucio looked at me, like, really confused, and he's like, oh, so you don't actually have any trouble talking to women, and I'm like... No, that part of it is like fine. It's just, uh, um, you know, other stuff that I'm danger with. Anyway, I, I didn't mean to go on that tangent. Um, I think, I'm thinking back to like my, through my life and, and my experiences speaking with a woman who I was not prior acquainted to. And it's a, it's a pretty small list of interactions that I can think of. <laughs> uh, and and the, the first one that springs to my mind is I remember, uh, I remember this girl uh who who I was talking to at one point um and and she was like a she was like a cashier for for a place where I was checking out and I can't even remember what what my comment was but I I'm going to get you No no I made <laughs> I, I made some comment about like about like doing well or something like that like financially and she and she was like oh well uh maybe you and I should be friends and I was like I have an, I have enough friends and then I left <laughs> Oh, no, no. And as I like got as I got to my car, I was like, "Oh wait, I see what oh, I yeah, yeah, I yeah. really missed that at one." I um I actually when I was like I think around college I was kind of like that where I just totally missed it. I'll tell you I'll tell you what like changed everything, and this this relates back to um a little bit of what I was saying earlier when I was like working corporate for like Japanese all this kind of stuff I was kind of out of that world for a little while and there was like this Japanese tour group that had come over and uh, my old boss he had called me and he was like you do want to make a little extra money because you have this tour group and they need a guide all that kind of shit I'm like I don't really want to do it but I'll come by and say hi anyway 
So I'm hanging out with the tour group, and there is um, this lady there, a very lovely-looking lady, um, you know, barely speaks English. And after the thing, after the thing, we're hanging out outside, and I don't know, I, I, I wear a lot of um, pins, like I'm, a, I'm some stupid hippie or whatever. So at that time, I had like some kind of koala uh, holding a gun uh, pinned onto a hat or whatever, and she points at my hat, and she says... Oh, that's very cute. And I misinterpret it. And I'm like, uh, you know, I, I tell her, oh, so are you. You're also very cute. Uh, and, you know, she laughs and, like, rushes and all that kind of stuff. And I totally didn't mean to say that. Like, I, it came out of my mouth. And my brain was just going into alert mode. Like, holy shit, what the fuck did I just say? I didn't mean to do that. Um, and then the next day, like, I remember I'm getting out of the shower. And I see my old boss's number pop up. And I'm like, I don't really want to talk to this dude. I don't want to go back and after I embarrass myself like that and I pick it up and it's actually the um, the girl and she's like, hey, do you want to come down to the museum and hang out? I'm like, oh shit, yes, definitely. And then that kind of like changed my perspective on the whole thing um, and it was fun. It's a, it's a lot more fun when you don't speak the same language because there's like a lot less bullshit. Um, but the yeah, worst part of like, dating a woman is talking to them. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go that far. Um, it was very romantic. I, I, I think I think that like the idea of, of romance that you see on the screen, I've never had that with like someone from the United States. Um, with her, I had that like very kind of like, oh yeah, let's go out and and uh, eat dinner and like feed each other fruit and shit like that. Um, I've never fed anyone fruit. I don't think. You can feed me fruit. Oh, okay. Well, I'll be right. I'll be I'll be in uh, Boston in July. So if you're if you want to travel over, uh, we can feed each other fruit in Boston. Let's feed each other. Let's feed each other fruit in Boston. Or chowder. We can feed each other chowder. Yeah. That'd be a uh, name. Let's feed each other chowder. That's... Most romantic of soups. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. It, no... it depends. Is it like? The, is it? Will it be like the New England chowder, or will it be like the Manhattan chowder? Yeah, yeah. I'm not I going. Think... I'm not going to Boston and eating a Manhattan chowder. <laughs> So the I, I think New England chowder is more romantic anyway. Yeah, I think so too. Nothing says I love you like a big spoonful of cream <laughs> going right into your mouth. Uh, so cream I, and shellfish. I do have a question about uh, about the super seducer. Sure, um, we should talk about that some. And this is kind I'm of like sorry. a this is I, this this might even be like a this might even be like a, a climactic question, but I just I want to ask it. Do you think? That if you actually did what he tells you to do, <laughs> it would work. You know, I was thinking about this one playing it, and for, first off, the way the game is structured, there's enough like conversation that takes place in the FMVs that you have no control over that I don't really think it's going to be all that helpful in being like a step-by-step seduction guide. Mm-hmm. But he does have a couple of tips and suggestions and just kind of general guidance that you might actually pull something out of here that's – and actually I think to Jay's point, it is kind of like networking and really it's like you, you – there's no magic words or like secret technique use. It's just more about getting in there and being an engaging conversation and holding interest. So Yeah. So I think you could probably take something away from here that's – of value. It, it's weird because I was thinking about it earlier and I think there, there's like a lot of and I think frankly unwarranted because the game 
the game looks harmless. I, I understand that, like, with what's going on in terms of stuff politically and, you know, with different activist movements and all that kind of shit, um, which, you know, I care about that stuff too, but I feel like you have to pick your battles, and I feel like there are some things that people work out to be more sinister than they actually are. So, from what I've seen of Super Seducer, I haven't played the whole thing, it seems pretty innocent, and I was actually thinking about it earlier today. Like, I was thinking about it, like, um, well, what's the difference between kind of, I guess, like, this this pickup artist community and, uh, like, what I do? Because to me, you know, again, if I'm interested enough, if I care, uh, because I lack energy, I'm lazy, and I don't like socializing with people, but if I care enough, I can go up to a person and strike up a conversation with them, and I'm like, you know, what limits that skill in other people? And I'm like, you know, why is this, why are pickup artists a thing? And I guess, you know, it does help some people to think of it as a game, almost, because it helps them, like, identify it as, like, a different, um, I, I, I guess, technique or something. Like, you know, uh, oh, yeah, if I make a game out of it, then it becomes easier. And that's, uh, you know, that's not to say that I'm endorsing anything about uh, PUAs or anything like that, but I can see that, you know, going, oh, maybe if I made a game out of it, um, uh, it'll be a little easier for me to talk to a person. You know, another item to that point is the the FMVs are not very well acted. Like, th- this guy, Richard, plays himself in the game, and I don't he's not particularly a good actor. And the ladies they hire to be actresses are also not particularly good. But there is sort of an a demonstrative point you can see when you watch them go through the motions of kind of putting some of these techniques into play, like how to, you know, turn certain conversations into playful teases or, you know, make it something that people are going to want to respond to or say interested in. So, right. That said, on the other hand, it gives you some ideas, but I also think if you're not the type of person who can actively or, you know, proactively maintain a conversation. I don't think any of these techniques are really going to help you do right. that for a full conversation. So, Right. Cause it's one thing to like start up a conversation and another thing to kind of hold interest and then escalate. Yeah. Things. I've noticed that um, I, I've seen a little bit of footage of the game and like screenshots and stuff. And I've, I've noticed that some of the choices too are like, it's like, compliment her clothing and then the next choice is like honk her booby and i feel like you should know you know not to do, not to do that one actually no go ahead michael okay so i there are situations where they give you like a very obviously wrong answer and i'll give them credit some of these are actually pretty funny so there's there's one when you go up and introduce yourself to the two girls at the bar you can, uh, what's the line? Tell them what you like in a girl and that it's your dick. <laughs> yeah, <okay>. Nice. <laughs> so I, I guess well, this is sort of my, my other question, because like talking about uh, undeserved controversy, and I think that's going to be the theme of the night because of the other game we talked about. Um, it, do you think Super Seducer is at any point like particularly so- creepy or like, or like, do you think it kind of warrants that? Oh, hey, this is like sexist and misogynistic. Yeah, is it chauvinistic? Well, there certainly is a sense of having this laid out in front of you, like some sort of hunting game, that does seem just mm. a touch weird. But at right. the same time, I think this is something that obviously some people want to know about, and I don't think it does it in a particularly vulgar or disgusting way. Yes, some of the some of the choices are 
funny, but they're intentionally funny. They're they're good for a laugh. Like I got those two ch- uh, two girls into a conversation about dog fighting, and I suggested that maybe she should like bring her dog to a a dog fight. And I knew a place. And what's funny is actually they keep you you choose that option. Obviously, it's the wrong option. But he just keeps going with it. It's like a it's like a minute and a half long video. Oh my god! So so things like that are actually pretty charming. Like I've I found myself having a pretty good laugh at some of these obviously wrong answers. Uh, right. There are there is a couple of things that he's mentioned where I forget what the conversation was, but like he he said the point of the question it was something about like whether or not a girl's boyfriend would want you talking to him. The idea was that the question was supposed to take away her independence so that she wants to, you know, get bold and take it back from you. Mm. Some of those statements sound a little. Yeah, it does sound a little weird. (laughs) But at the same time, I do feel like there's kind of a, a point or there's some good advice in going in there and making yourself someone people want to talk to and not just kind of going with the flow. He's actually pretty candid about being honest and respectful in the conversations and not trying to manipulate or, um, right. Abuse these people. Like necking, right? Because that's like a big thing. Like, I I feel like he, he does a couple little negs, but small ones in in the conversations that he, he demonstrates. Right. Again, there does some seem to be something a little predatory about it, but not in a, not in a way that I think is particularly tasteless. I mean, women love to be negged, and that's why one of the best moves that you can have is you go up to her and you say, hey, baby, how old are you? And then when she tells you, you say, wow, that's pretty old for a dog. And <laughs> see, because it, it works on two levels where maybe, maybe you just meant like she's a dog. But also it's just factually accurate because dogs don't live to be 34. Megan. Ooh, I know someone who's getting some tonight. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, oh, shit, I guess, that. all right, so there is a creepy aspect of, like I said, whenever he's giving you the advice, he's sitting in a hotel room surrounded by half-naked ladies. Right. Incidentally, depending on the response you give and the rating that it attributes to said response, those women will be wearing more clothes the worse your answer is. Ah, okay. Huh. So it's kind of a positive reinforcement there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like those old, like basically all the old porn games uh, from, exactly. from from back in the day. All right. So uh, that is very, very you, interesting. You learned so something. Strange. You know, I I think there are actually a few tips that I could take away from this that would not be bad to keep in mind. But again, like I said, if you can't hold a conversation or keep a person's interest it's not really going to, to fix that problem. Right. So, and it, it, that's like, that's kind of, I think that goes back to like kind of the ultimate criticism and the ultimate problem with like kind of a pickup artist because they were always like, oh, well, I learned all these tricks. I learned to wear like these like weird clothing, all that kind of stuff. But the girls that I talk to, they quickly find out I'm not actually an interesting person and then they leave. And mm-hmm. I think that's like, you know, um, like one of the things was, you know, if you're not, kind of it's a it's a mixture of like if if you don't if you don't kind of have if you're not presenting a kind of upfront honest personality when you first interact with them um you know and then they find out what the truth is as they go on and then mixture of you know what do i do with that afterwards what do i do 
uh, you know, the, the, the pickup tips work, but now there's like nothing else there. So what can I do to that? So I, yeah, think, I, think, I think that's like kind of. I think you're, if you're a weirdo with game or a weirdo with no game, it's still going to end basically the same. Right. Well, and so that's right. the thing is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how silver tongued you become. At the end of the day, you're going to bring her home and she's going to see your amiibo collection and leave. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't doesn't really matter. Like, well, that's within your power to fix, Jared. There's nothing that you can say uh, that that will stop it. Um, I mean, yeah. I, th- I think it's just saying like the wrong things. Like you 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 go home, you pick her up. This is what you do. Okay, tell you me what say, tell me what to say, do. Say, so you're just talking to her in the bar, right? Huh. And uh, things are going well. Like you're really hitting it off. She's laughing at all your jokes, and you go, "Hey, you want to get out of here?" And she's like, "Okay, sure." And then she gets into your car, and you're driving, and you're like, "Hey, by the way, I didn't tell you, but I have kids." And she goes, "Wait, you have kids?" And you're like, "Yeah, I have twenty-one children. They're all my babies. They're all my preciouses, and I want <laughs> you to meet them." Does she leap out of the car at this point? <laughs> <laughs> that's just how you do it no well i see what you mean because then she's going to come in and find out that the children are just plastic dolls and, and she'll be <laughs> so relieved that she'll surely have sex with you of course that's relieved. exactly how it goes down <laughs> say oh thank you lord jesus uh he's a normal uh well he's not normal what is he he's um he's relatively safe he's <laughs> He's probably not going to wear my skin tonight. <laughs> or or maybe he will. I don't know. That's a, that's a tough call. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, that's just that's that's the challenging situation that we live in. So I think the real thing that I need to do is get the amiibos out of the entryway to the home and uh, move them um, to the bedroom so that they can, well, watch, so they can watch over the act. <laughs> super super seducer Richard Laruna does point out that women are attracted to men who are passionate about things. Oh, that's true. So what wow. I the what I actually obviously being that women who, or men are passionate about amiibos are going to have sex. Yeah, that's that's actually true. So you're saying actually don't hide it and instead bring it to the forefront. Maybe even bring several of the amiibos with me in my in my <laughs> jacket pocket. Hey, hey, can I show you something? <laughs> like okay. <laughs> His name is Link, and he fights the bad guys. He fights Ganon. He fights Ganon. Don't worry, I have him too. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. His girlfriend's Princess Zelda. She's at home right now. (laughs) But if you come back with me, I could show her to you. I could show her to you. Mm, That's pretty good. It's going to be hard to say no to that. I think you got it. You don't even need Super Seducer. Yeah, geez, I'm already on the express train to Pussytown. Beep beep. Next station, uh, uh, pregnancy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's how I roll. I ain't rapping that shit. <laughs> the spirit. Uh, so I guess in closing, I'm actually getting a pretty good kick out of the game. Like I said, some of these some of these options are pretty funny, and there's probably some decent ideas that you could pick up here i just can't imagine a situation where someone's going to want to pay for this i mean it's what eight right. bucks how much is bucks? it it's uh i think it's like 12.99 at full price oh, right wow. now it's like nine dollars on steam oh okay so it's on sale right now yeah i mean it's gonna be it's gonna be like four bucks this time next year so just, I, just yeah, yeah. H- hang in I, there. I mean i can imagine it going for like four bucks 
But yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, I I do have to say, like, it kind of evokes a, a sense of uh, I miss FMV games, and so when one comes out, <laughs> uh, even when it's one like this, I still am kind of a little interested. Uh, I I don't envision myself playing this anytime soon, but it, it is something that I that I was curious about, and so I was glad that Michael had a chance to play it. Right. It's charming. Yeah, it's all I, right. I'm I, I'm having fun. I didn't expect it to come out up on the uh, podcast at all, so <laughs> I'm pleasantly surprised in a way. Yeah, no, it's uh, it it's happened. So, uh, all right. Well, should we move on to our other uh, game of the evening? Sure. Jay, as we were discussing in the pre-show, uh, your time is so invaluable to you that not oh, only yes. not only can you watch Pirates of the Caribbean five. <laughs> And yoga hosers, but you can even pick up Metal Gear Survive, the most unanticipated title of 2018. Okay, I I, I feel like this like requires some explanation as to why. Because You're correct. I, okay, all right. I, I will I will explain because Lucio was the one that bought it back on our radars. I wouldn't have even considered it. Um, I wasn't thinking about it. it wasn't like even a speck of a thought. And then, but you know, when these kinds of things come out i do keep an eye on the reviews but not just like not just any one source i've I've learned to stop trusting basically every source of reviews now um so i i go to multiple sources i go to you know metacritic and um you know i go to the more traditional gaming websites i go to uh user reviews you know uh, steam and metacritic user reviews I go to uh, YouTube personalities. And I go to like video reviewers. I found like video reviewers pretty invaluable in my last couple of purchases, and I've noticed very mixed responses to the game. And uh, it was like one of those things where um, you know it was like, okay, so who do I listen to? And some players claim that hey, you know, the first few hours are kind of a slog, but if you can suffer through that, it actually gets to be a ton of fun, and it gets to be like kind of a blast to play. And there's horde modes, and there's this and that, which you may feel some type of way about zombies and horde modes, but whatever. I, um, you know, and it was actually one of the reviewers who was trying to convince me not to buy it, and I won't mention him by name, but he's he's one of our big three, and Jarrett and I were actually discussing them, um, but he actually said something that really caught my curiosity in the game. And he, he said it as a, he built it as a complaint. He said, you know, this is less of a survival game and more of a babysit your own avatar. And those words were key to me because I do not mind babysit your own avatar games. I would consider the flame in the flood to be a babysit your own avatar. I'd consider project Zomboy to be one of those. I'd consider don't starve to be one of those. And those games to me are fun. Pair that off with what other people are saying, that as you go deeper into the game, your character gets stronger, and those things are less of a consideration. I'm like, you know, I actually like that kind of progression where you're, where you start out as, like, the most pathetic, fragile thing ever, and you get to grow into this badass. So from there, you know, I got one of my checks in. I got a little extra money in. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I played every single Metal Gear game that has ever come out, literally. I've played every single one. Um, I've actually enjoyed quite a few of the spinoffs. I've, you know, I love Asset 2. I love uh, Revengeance. Um, you know, I think both of those are games that have zero business being able to work. There's no way a card game slash tactics RPG should work. There's no way that uh, a high-octane slasher should work, but they're both awesome. Um, 
I said, so, okay, so best case scenario, I get into, like, another Metal Gear spinoff that sounds like it should be bad, but it's kind of fun. Or I get, like, a terrible Tuesday out of this. And, you know, I basically rip it apart, like I've done to other Metal Gear games, like Ground Zeroes or whatever. So those are those are the two options. I figure, how bad could it be? Uh, and then I just, like, dive in and made the purchase. So that was, like, kind of the, the, the cascade effect that happened. Um, and then I began to play it. And, God, I... I I'll put it like this. If you go in expecting like Metal Gear Solid 6, if you think this is going to be kind of what the Phantom Pain is and take all that shit about killing, you know, private military companies and fighting Metal Gear and all that kind of shit, think it's going to kind of build on the Metal Gear mythos, then you are absolutely looking at the wrong game. This is absolutely not that. Uh, you do have to understand that this is a hardcore survival game. It's a survival game, period. Um, if you've played Rust and Ark, which I know you guys have, if you played Project Zomboid, Don't Starve, uh, which I know a lot of people on the podcast have, you know exactly what to expect. You're going to start out with a weak-ass character with nothing, with no resources. Um, it's going to be a pain in the ass to kind of get food and to get water just to keep your guy, like, alive. But as you kind of build up more, you're going to get the tools necessary to kind of survive the harsh wastelands. And I would say it. I would even slot it into the easier category of survival games because, you know, once you die... Um, if you have any resources on you, you lose those resources, but it's a kind of souls-ish mechanic where you can go back and recover them if you're careful. Um, you know, yes, your base can be attacked in a zombie horde, but you don't lose your story characters, you can rebuild your base, all that kind of shit. So it's a little more forgiving than your typical survival game where once your guy dies, that's it. You've lost everything. Um, that's what Metal Gear Survive is. It's a, a flat-out survival game, um, and it's got some really kind of charming aspects to it and it's got some stuff that really works well and then there is some other stuff that seems really half-baked and really fits into konami's current business structure of just wanting to take the player for all their worth um and you know rip money directly from their pocket which is unfortunate because otherwise there's a very very uh competent and at times very fun survival game uh that exists there so that that's the best way i can put it um, and I wonder what the best way to talk about this game is. Like, do I talk about it in context of the Metal Gear series? Do I talk about it in context of the controversy and in turn, like the YouTubers and journalists and what they've been saying? Uh, do I just like identify it as a game? Like what, like, I don't know. Well, talk about it. how it helps you to pick up women. Um, well, the very, the, one of the first missions you have in Metal Gear Survive is, um, you get an alert that they found, you know, there's a, the, the basic story is that a wormhole opened up over Mother Base during the attack in the Phantom Pain, and a bunch of people were sucked in. Um, which wormholes, wormholes do actually exist in the Phantom Pain. It's, it's actually one of the funniest things. A lot of the criticisms I've seen of this game, of Survive, are actually all present in the Phantom Pain. And I think people have, like, ridiculously short memories, especially, like, in their hatred of Kunami and, uh, you know, how they wronged Hideo Kojima, which, you know, it was a it was a pretty messed up purge. I acknowledge that. Um, I think that people are applying a lot of double standards. I think that Metal Gear has been a consistently kind of fun series, but that doesn't mean it's like a genius series. And I think there's like a lot of shit yeah, that we talked about even on this podcast that has happened in Metal Gear that is like, you know, I can't believe this bullshit. So, so once, since we're at the point where we have, like, people that are living plants. Like, we had Quiet and Code Talker 
And they're basically poison ivy in that they have to absorb the rain. You know, they have to get by via photosynthesis. I think once you get to that point, you can say a fucking wormhole opens up and throws you into a zombie dimension, whatever. It's like, that's what Metal Gear is. Um, if you if you think they're, like, fucking with, like, Shakespeare, if you think you're taking the story of Game, Game of Thrones and saying, oh, then Fonzie jumped off the shark, you're, like, just completely full of shit, and you haven't paid attention to the Metal Gear series, because the Metal Gear series has always thrown this weirdness out there. Anyway. Yeah, uh, jumped over a shark, <laughs> not off a shark. Um, I, I like my version, jumped off a shark. I'm not saying it's bad. It's more interesting, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, anyway, so the so one of the missions in Survive, one of the early missions, is you get a report that another wormhole has opened up, and you have to go and find a survivor, and you find a crash ambulance, and uh, there's a nurse, or rather, a lovely-looking nurse, and you basically have to pick her up and carry her through this area called the Dust, um, which is kind of like the big kind of survival zone. You take her through the dust and you rescue her and you take her back to base and she's like, oh, thank you so much. And then uh, and then she's your companion for life. She's your ride or die. That's how it helps you pick up women. Nice. So the, so what you're yeah. saying is the best way that I could pick up women is to be in a apocalyptic world where we're the only <laughs> two people there. And uh, if she doesn't come with me, she'll almost certainly die. Yes. That's right, that you got is it. The, the most guaranteed best way. Perfect. Can my amiibos <laughs> be there? <laughs> yes, they can. I like I, I, I assume you'll like find them just picking them up in a container in the dust somewhere. Oh thank God. Yeah. Okay. Whew. Um uh, so let me let me explain the dust. So 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 Survive takes place in a world called Dite. And Dite is this dimension that's parallel to Earth that shadow organizations have been like exploring and there is a whole kind of military slash science arm that was there before you named Charon Corps. And Charon Corps' job was to go out and chart Dite and uh, bring the information back and there's like a mystery parasite in Dite that turns people into wanderers. Uh, you know, the wanderers are basically the zombies. Uh, they don't call them zombies, but they're zombies. And your character um, in the attack on Mother Base, you know, they were not sucked into DTA, they managed to escape the wormhole, but they were infected by the parasite for DTA. So, you know, someone, you know, this organization basically kidnaps them. Um, it's the it's assumed the character's dead. Their name, the character's name, the captain, by the way. It's assumed the captain's dead. Um, they wake the captain up. They're like, hey, you're infected with this parasite, so we're throwing you in that other dimension where all the other parasite zombies are. And if you want a cure... You'll go and track down Sharon Quartz and you'll find out, you know, what's going on here. Um, this seems like way too much unnecessary detail for Metal Gear Survive. I disagree. I, you know, I, I, I absolutely disagree because I feel like uh, it was pleasant. First of all, it was pleasantly surprising that it had a storyline at all. I'm not used to like there's no survival <laughs> game that really has a story. Um, you know, whatever they do is like a really thin story. It's like just get to point B and that's it. So I like that it's it's actually, you know, the, the two, um, two of the creative heads on the game were actually creative heads on previous Metal Gear games. So they have that legacy. One of them uh, was on the franchise as far back as Snake Eater. So I appreciated that. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate the horror tone of the game. I feel like that, would, you know, Phantom Pain had a horror lean to it, but it wasn't like a horror-focused game. I like, I like that Survive is a more horror-focused. And I like that idea that you're kind of in this apocalyptic wasteland 
and that there was like an entire functional military team there before you that was just absolutely wiped out and you're like uncovering the remains and trying to piece together what happened to them in this world. So I, I really like that. I feel like it gives you a little bit more drive and a little bit more of a goal than um, you do in most survival games. And that's what I'm comparing it to, survival games, not Metal Gear, because that's, you know, uh, that's what it is. It's trying to be a survival game. Um, so question, two questions. Yes. One, is yes. there a solid snake? <laughs> There's not a solid snake. God not that damn I it. All right. Yeah. Two, better question. Uh, Metal Gear Survive. What mm. if, let's just change something a little bit here. <laughs> what if we had just called it Survive? You think the game right. would have done better? Yes, I do. All right. Well, that was easy. I do. I do. I, it's it's a good. It's a good. It's a good survival game. Like, um, I I didn't get to finish the whole reason I was explaining the story in detail and all that kind of stuff is because you know you're on there are remains of Mother Base that you turn into something called Base Camp, and there's a little bit of a desert area just beyond your base camp that you can explore and hunt and get water early in the game, and then you know the water dries up later on after a certain series of events, um, but you are surrounded by something called the dust. And the dust, I think, for people that like the game is something that players really love. And for people that hate the game, they really absolutely hate it. Uh, I'm in the former category. I really like the dust. It's almost reminiscent of the dark zones that were present in The Division and in, like, um, Destiny. So it's this place where, you know, um, it's thick with monsters, you know, it's you have to kind of be careful. It really makes you kind of apply the stealth elements, especially when you have to go and explore a ruin or something and you have to climb in deep in there. Um, so you really have to employ the stealth. And your map functions, your map sort of functions in the dust. You can kind of find points on the map, but you you don't get like a marker that directly points out where you are. Like sometimes you'll get that marker if you're to in a previously explored area, or if you manage to find like a piece of the road, but you're just flying blind in the dust. And for me, that makes it really cool because it really makes you kind of navigate the area. Uh, it really makes you pay attention to your surroundings. Other people, I think, coming in off of like the Phantom Pain and Ground Zeroes, they, they're not going to appreciate that as much because um, they're like, hey, where's my marker that points me to the objective? I don't like this. I don't like having to explore this shit. Um, but I really, really loved it. And I thought like the dust was, was a great overall concept. It's a great way to to make you apply the stealth mechanics of Metal Gear. Um, at its core, I think this I think Metal Gear always comes back to the stealth, uh, with the exception of Rising, where even though it had stealth, it didn't matter <laughs> like at all. Um, which is fine. And so I like that. I really like the exploration elements. It really makes it really makes a tense situation if you're willing to kind of settle into it and then while you're exploring the dust uh there are certain side missions that can trigger the horde mode um and that's usually either activating a teleporter or using like something called a wormhole digger to get supplies and items and all that kind of shit and the the horde mode is really where the game gets really fucking intense so like all those videos you see like oh yeah you drop down a fence and then you poke zombies with a stick oh poke 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 that's all the gameplay is that's 100 percent untrue because the horde mode is very important to progressing in the game and if you drop down the fence and hope to poke zombies with a stick uh in horde mode you're really going to get fucked up and you're just going to fail everything you're going to lose everything uh, is a really 
good way to get gotten past. So you have to be strategic. You have to be as strategic as you had to be in the Phantom Pain, just in a different way. Um, you have to like work out what loadout works best for you. So my character actually goes through with a bow and arrow and with a machete. Uh, and yes, I do keep fences on hand. Fences are handy. Uh, a Molotov cocktail does me wonders. The things get really hairy. A shotgun, which I barely use because ammunition is so scarce. Um, just in case things get really close. And then you'll, like, of course, it's a, it's a horde mode. You'll face different enemy types. So that's really what to expect would survive. It's that exploration element. Uh, yes, it absolutely employs the stealth mechanics of Metal Gear. Um, and, like, it's the horde mode. And that's what the title is. And if you're into that stuff, if you're into survival, if you're into the stealth, if you're into horde modes, the game is great. If you hate that stuff, then absolutely stay away from it. Period. <laughs> you, you do mention, which is kind of interesting, that people people made up their minds about this before it came out. Uh, right. and, and a lot of that stems from Konami's mistreatment of Kojima. And make no mistake, reviewing that story, they didn't necessarily fire him in the right way. But I absolutely understand why you would get fed up with him and fire him. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you can see the evidence for that with like Death Stranding, a game that I can't imagine coming out. Like, <laughs> I know, I know yeah, that so, it's been purported like, to release, but, but I'm having a very hard time imagining it releasing. Uh, I'm glad you touched on that. Like, like when. First off, I, I think there's a little bit of a double standard here because for as much as like. Konami's not the first video game company to pull anything even remotely corrupt. And we know it. We know they're not. It's not like we've been blind to the things that Square Enix and WB and Take-Two and EA and, and all these other people have done. But we still buy their games and we still give their games a fair review. But it's like, okay, so Hideo Kojima was this big personality, so now we're just going to hate uh, this by default. Uh, I don't think that's really fair. I don't think... I, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you picked up Battlefront 2... And you're like, I'm going to give this a fair review as a Star Wars game. And then you picked up, um, you know, Metal Gear Survive and went, oh, I'm absolutely going to show that this is a piece of shit because I already decided, you know, Konami is evil. I think that makes you a little full of shit. You know, I, I think I think that's absolutely a double standard. Um, I'm actually disappointed in a couple of people that I've seen treat the game this way because they often take Lucio. Like, the time. Uh, no, not, not Lucio, not Lucio at all. Um, oh, wow. Uh, okay, maybe a little. <laughs> um, but I'm I'm disappointed. In, in, but see, Lucio hasn't touched the game. And I can't say whether or not it goes to Lucio's taste. I think Lucio has similar taste to us, so I think he might like it. I'm not sure. Uh, he hasn't touched the Phantom Pain at all, so, you know, there's also that. So I, I feel like he would come from a place where it said, okay, I'm not really into Ground Zeroes. I'm not really into the Phantom Pain, so there's no one going to be to survive. I think that's fair. You know, that's like, because that's a fair kind of course. I think if you're going, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and hate this game because I've already decided I'm going to hate it. And fine. And I want, and, you know, I, I think you're absolutely right, Jarrett, because there's, first off, you have to remember, Konami's not really interested in making video games. So if people want to hate Survive so much that it gets Konami out of making Metal Gears, it will probably happen because Konami's not making anything else. They're not interested in video games anymore. Um, they're still going to make uh, PES, but that's basically it. You know, that, so so first off, people don't have to worry about that. If you're like, I want Konami to stop making my video game, like, fine, that's going to happen. 
Konami's not interested. The other thing is, Kojima ran way behind schedule, and he ran way over budget. Um, anyone would get fired for that. Yeah, know? yeah. I mean, <laughs> but but you know, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like if Michael worked for me, and I was like, Michael. Write me a book with your top fashion tips. And he's like, I'm on it, boss. <laughs> and then he took a really, really, really long time to do it. And then I came into the office one day and I was like, you know what, Michael? Fuck you. Get the <laughs> fuck out of my office. And then. But Michael was also spending like thousands of dollars of your money and not providing anything. I took his. Feed turbines. I took his book, the 75% of it that he wrote, and I put a. <laughs> I put a big old exclamation point on the end and then I published it. Boom. Didn't care if it was good, bad, whatever. Just get it out the door for God's sake. And My then opus. and then on top of it, I just every opportunity I, I have, I try to pr- inconvenience Michael. So he wants to, uh, you know, uh, he wants to write another book for another company. Boom. Slam him with a, a non-compete and just basically go out of my way to be a huge asshole to him. Oh, what's I that? He got agree. married, like, stab his wife a couple times. Like, my, Mike, Michael my, still deserved to get fired, my, but I just chose a bad way to do it. You did, you did. So I, 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 I understand, Jared, it's, don't worry. This is kind of, this is a situation where it takes two to tangle. Konami was absolutely kind of in the wrong, but Kojima was also in the wrong, and that's something we don't acknowledge. Like, sometimes both parties can have done a bad thing. Now, having said <laughs> that, like... having said that, sometimes... Uh, you can have an insane star and and not understand that like they're worth paying for uh like mm-hmm. like like platinum is a company that seems to understand this for example like they have a person who is probably the most famous person in their studio who's verifiably insane super difficult <laughs> to work with uh just just a, a lunatic an outright lunatic but they put up with him and they tolerate him because without him there's you know properties that just wouldn't be the same and and won't work the but, way that they want them to but uh, again platinum wants to keep making games as well that's the other thing right and so again like that's the other thing is in my in my example with michael uh, I, I, I've realized that books aren't really that smart of a money anyway, and we need to get into horses. We're going to sell horses. <laughs> I could have done that I, too. Yeah, well, I don't give a shit. Little, little, uh, uh, little feet turbines for the horses. So, so let's let's ignore all that because let's 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 ignore all that that happened. I, you know, I I feel like a fair review. It takes the games on its merits, and I, you know, for everything that happened, everything fucked up that happened to to Kojima and Kojima Productions, I agree it was fucked up. I absolutely do. I do think, you know, Kojima, you know, there's a truth to what Kojima did. He ran, he ran, he ran way behind schedule. He ran way over budget. Uh, it's not the first time he did it either. Um, you know, it's, but let's forget all that. There's still a development team that worked on this game. And yes, you could be as soon as go and you want and say it's shovelware and they put all this kind of stuff. But there was someone that sat down and wrote, oh, um, and then this guy gets sucked into a wormhole and he gets infected by a disease. And that's how detail happens. He has to go there. There's someone that wrote that. There's someone uh, that, you know, designed the horde modes. You know, there's someone that there's there's a lot of recycled elements in in Survive. Absolutely. And, you know, I do feel some type of way about recycled elements like in far cry primal i didn't appreciate it i do feel like survive shows me some cool areas but i also uh realize survive shows me a lot of areas that i know like the back of my hand because i saw them in the phantom pain 
Um, but still, there's some, but you know, there's still they're adhering to a deadline. Konami is like, we need much to put this out. There's still a development team uh, that put into this game. There's still a development team that worked crunch time. So if nothing else, you want to be fair to them, and you want to give their game a fair review. So, you know, I don't think it's helpful to anyone to pre-decide, to pre-judge that this is what happened. And I think the same goes for, you know, a lot of other games that we've been critical of where we look at it in a fair in a fair lens. We look at Battlefront 2 uh, and Battlefront 1 and we go, you know, there's actually a good game here. EA just got in the way. Um, you know, but no one's willing to do that for Survive. No one's willing to go that, that you know, there's there's actually something that people worked on uh, there's like a nugget of something good here. Oh, let's go ahead and be fair to the game. And I do feel like that, you know, it's really unfortunate the politics around it. I really, I think it's really unfortunate kind of the fanboyism and and the attitude around it because um, it, just in general, like if this is something that we've been talking about for years and years in terms of wanting fair journalism in video games, um, you know, in terms of wanting like ethics and all this shit, this is your example right here. It's not about, you know, um, uh, the representation or, you know, who's getting bribes for what to do what. It's about looking at a game on its merits and on its faults and judging it for that and nothing else. I don't know. It's a complex situation. I, I, I like, half agree. Um, <laughs> but it would have been just as easy for them to not call it a Metal Gear game and uh, still reuse so many of the assets. Uh, I mean, even all the assets. Um, yeah. I, I think that you could market this differently and, and achieve better results. And so to some I degree, agree. to some degree, like there is some blame for them um, in doing this. Now, having said that, it is interesting. Uh, Famitsu gave the game like a like a 34 out of 40 like it was almost it oh. was it was really highly rated uh, I, I think it's doing pretty well in japan actually so so yeah i was gonna say like culturally uh japan doesn't seem to be nearly as offended as as the states by it and um, i think that's always kind of been the thing with metal gear because i think metal metal gear has always been a bigger thing for like americans than japanese so you put a like a fun hunting survival game for the japanese but you know monster hunter just came out um there's gonna be yeah we like this okay cool <laughs> like, um it's so i don't know my, my, michael's been pretty quiet i feel like we used to share kind of like in the legacy of metal gear i feel like we all do like everyone here um and lucille because we've all like kind of grown up with that game i've been like a big metal gear fan um i mean i think i i, I think i can speak for michael when i say it, it it's completely dead to you right like yeah, yeah, it's long ago. It has it has no meaning value. The the, the, right. the the name didn't even mean something to you when Kojima was still there, and so I and I think mm. that I think that's helpful, and I think I think for me that's why I sat in and played this. I go, oh, okay, there's wormholes, um, which was like an Easter egg in the Phantom Pain, but it's a big deal here. And after everything, I mean, it certainly doesn't upset me as much now as it would have ten years ago. Right, but that's the that's the thing. Like, I I think there's been so much bullshit in the Metal Gear series that you're like, whatever fucking happens happens. There's another there's another YouTuber that made a big deal, a huge deal about the fact that the um the reason the captain is infected in the first place is because a cardboard box hits them in the head and like they almost fall into the wormhole. And he makes a huge deal. It's like, how fucking stupid is that? That it's a cardboard box. I'm like, you know, we're really coming off. We're literally coming off of a game where one of the core characters. Mm -hmm 
is a plant lady who wears a thong all the time because she eats fire photosynthesis. I, I, it doesn't get much dumber than that. It's like the series is at the point where anything you kind of throw at it, like you could say the next Metal Gear is about a race of mutant kittens that have uh, gotten up, stand upright and carry guns now. And they're like, you know, threatening humanity. And I'd be like, OK, yeah, sure. That sounds like a Metal Gear game. That's fine. Whatever. I mean, Who are they going to give the guy with diarrhea his own new series? Yeah, now we're talking. Was it? Was that Guns Adventures. of the Patriots? Uh, n- yeah, it is actually. He was more of the co-star. <laughs> um, Johnny. I want to play a game where I'm trying. Johnny. Johnny Sasaki. Johnny Sasaki. Cool. I want to play a game where I'm sneaking around trying to get stuff done, but I have to stop to poop every several several minutes. Yeah. See, that's a that's game. a little bit in survive. A little bit of sorry. If you eat like bad food, you you'll have to stop to puke every minute. You won't poop though. I'm sorry. That's not the same. That's not the game I want. Send it back. <laughs> so, so so just to touch on this final point because I think uh, for me what was the most pleasant in Survive aside from the kind of super fun horde modes and the actual exploration elements is that um that yes there are a lot of limitations on the captain that aren't on. Um, Venom Snake. Venom Snake could run for ages without getting tired. The captain, when you first start out, you can run for like five seconds, and then the captain will just stand there and have to catch their breath. Uh, you can fix that by leveling up. You can um, level up their stamina, their health, all that shit. You can get them special skills, so they gather faster. But I feel like those limitations, and I feel like the whole, you know, slow exploration of detail, um, the components of oxygen and thirst and hunger, I really do feel like that that helped with kind of the stealth aspects of the game because it really encouraged me to kind of take my time, approach situations smartly, to crouch down and make sure that my little dial there was showing me the direction and the movement of enemies, carefully listening out. And I absolutely, like my favorite aspect of Ground Zeroes and the Phantom Pain was the stealth mechanic. Um, in Survive, it's this, it's basically the same stealth mechanic, but it's back. There's a little more pressure to use it. I love that. Uh, I think everyone should rip off the Fox Engine stealth. Uh, I think the next Assassin's Creed needs to rip, rip it off. Um, anyone who wants a fucking stealth system, just keep ripping off that game. I don't mind. I think that's a lot of fun. I mean, honestly, that would be, be a smart <laughs> move for, for Konami is quit trying to make Metal Gear games and just start selling the Fox Engine. Yes, it would. Yes, it would. Uh, <laughs> then you can. Then you have to do even less, <laughs> right? And nobody hates you, or at least fewer people hate you. Fewer people hate you. People are going to hate them no matter what because they yeah. they've forsaken their legacy. And uh, yeah. I I, and, uh, I bought a Super Nintendo Classic uh, this last week because I I saw it in the store and I was like, well, shit, I'll never see one of these again. May as well pick it up. And. Uh, there's a couple Konami games on there, and I you can't help but think as you boot up Contra Three, you're like, holy shit, they used to be cool. They used to be cool. Uh, yeah, I'll say it. I'll say, I'll say it. I'll be. I'll make the unpopular opinion. Uh, Kojima's record for good Metal Gear games, I don't think it's that solid. <laughs> I think I think only the gameplay aspect of the Phantom Pain is great. The story is complete shit. Uh, the the um the graphics. I can't fully compliment the graphics. Like the characters look amazing, the environments look boring. Um, so the Phantom Pain mixed bag, hate Guns of the Patriots, uh, Metal Gear Solid Two mixed bag. I love Snake Eater, love Metal Gear Solid, and I hate Ground Zeroes. And that's it for Kojima games. Um, I love Ghost Babel. 
I loved Rising. I loved Asset 2. I liked Asset 1, and I'm liking Survive. Survive definitely has problems, which, you know, um, we didn't really touch on, but it does have issues. So, yeah, I, I'm not broken up by that. <laughs> I'm not broken up by it. Now, you said you loved Ghost Babble, so I got one question for you. <laughs> yeah. Do you know who did the music for it? Who did the music in that game? <laughs> Gosh, I I really I wish we knew. Uh, yeah, who who did the music in that? We don't know. No one knows. No one knows. Uh, <laughs> Riku Nakamura certainly didn't. Yeah, Riku Nakamura had no idea. Uh, there's there's a compo- Oh no, wait. Here, it, I lit- if we just would have googled it, we could have find- found out the answer immediately. It was Norihiku Hibino who also did the music for the ninja blade and the ninja blade and actually it looks like he may have worked on guns of the patriots too so anyway <laughs> pretty cool all right well anyway. uh, i mean you know there you go so if you're if you're the type who's into uh these survival games that the kids love nowadays maybe uh metal gear survive is, is worth checking out um, I mean, who are we to say? We- <laughs> I'll have a full comprehensive review up. I I think it's um I do think it's a good game. I I'm I'm surprisingly having a lot of fun with it. Um, it's got issues for sure. But the map thing I flagged is one of the one of the issues. But um, in terms of in terms of just reusing assets, I'm not I'm never a fan of that. But um, it's a fun game. It's a, it's a fun game. It's got the same issue Battlefront Two had, in which like if Konami stayed the fuck out of the way, the game would be it would it would be much better than it is. Like no market transactions, no always online, and it would be great. But those things are in it. Those things are a consideration. So be warned. <laughs> well, you heard it here first, folks. I mean, you you didn't, but because uh, Famitsu uh, maybe you did. Famitsu gave it a, a great score. So. Uh, but there you go. Um, go. But, but that's enemy slime being contrarian and keeping it real again. Yeah, just like we do, man. <laughs> Nobody gets through to us. So, I mean, I feel like you probably got a lot out of today's podcast. You got the hottest new fashion tips for the 2018 season. Uh, you're going to look great this spring in your shredded jeans and your velvet. Which podcast is this uh, again? Uh, this is episode number 202. Uh, I was your usual host, Jared. Uh, and today I was joined graciously by Mr. Michael Mahoney. Now, 202, which one does that come after? So that came after 201 because this is episode number 202 of the Enemy Slime podcast. I'm your user host, Jared, and I'm joined today by Mr. J. Joseph Jr. Hey, um, I, what's this podcast name? <laughs> I don't know. What should we, what should we title this podcast? <laughs> Who's going to be on number 203? That's a great question. Uh, we'll see when we get to podcast episode number 203, where I will be your usual host, Jared, and I will be joined by maybe Mr. Michael Mahoney. What are you doing next weekend? Or next week? When, when will 203 be? A 203 will be released next week, maybe, assuming that something doesn't happen that's more important. After which one? Uh, after their... Oh, well, so that's going to come after episode number 202, uh, which is this podcast. I'm your usual host, Jared. I am joined today by Mr. J. Joseph Jr., uh, what's the, what was the name of the other guy on the podcast? Oh, I'm also joined today by Mr. Michael Mahoney. How do you keep all this straight? <laughs> Believe it or not, I actually I have a book. I have a book in front of me where I write down all this stuff. So uh, it, it it's hard work, but... Um, oh, he's got a book, Lucio. That's how he does it. Yeah. I... 
<laughs> All right. Well, if you enjoyed our podcast today, uh, that is to refer to podcast episode number 202. I was going to ask. I would suggest that you go check us out on Facebook and Twitter. We're at The Enemy Slime on both of those services. And uh, I think with that, we are ready to start the Enemy Slime podcast, episode number 202. Uh, just kidding. We're ready to finish the episode Slime podcast 202. I am joined Wait, today by Mr. Michael Jehoseph Jr. and Mr. Jay Money. Hey, what's up? Hey, uh, so thanks for joining us today, guys. And I think with that, we are out. In jeans today.